Good morning. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Dion. Um, you know, just kind of as a note to um, the song that the band just played was, it's called Amazing Love. And obviously we're going to be talking about love today. And that song just really talks about a love, the greatest demonstration of love ever in, in history, which is when God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on our behalf out of love, just to cover our sin. And, you know, I just look for myself and it's like, in spite of all my faults and failures, numerous faults and failures, not just in the past, but just the things that I continue to do, that God's love continues to cover, not just mine, but all of ours. And um, our hope is that today we'll be able to learn and understand the depth of that love. Would you please join me in prayer? Holy Father, thank you so much for the day. Um, Lord, we do thank you for your love. It's, it's a love that I know for myself, humanly speaking, I cannot understand. Um, but you give us the ability to glimpse into the beauty of it and to be able, you give us the ability when we follow you to, to demonstrate it in our own lives, to show others who you are. Um, some of that really, Lord, is just understanding and standing with friends and family right now in Israel. Um, Lord, we pray for Israel, their safety, our troops, the hostages, the innocent people who are over there in the middle of all of this, that you would bring them home safely and protect them. Lord, that you would fight for Israel, that this nation would stand together um, for Israel. And so we just thank you so much that we can just trust in you for all things. We pr thank you for the safety of being able to sit here and learn about you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. How cute is that? How cute. Now, uh... By the way, you may not have known it, you were just given a test. That is the most stringent 
demanding requirement that God has put on any of us. To love like God loves. To not just love him, but to love our neighbors. To love our enemies. That is the standard that God puts on us. Today uh, is not a softball. It's not an easy message uh, for me. Because I have to stand in front of that test just as each person here has to stand in front of that test. The challenges that we face in fulfilling that and living like Christ uh, has been a, I became a Christian at 33. It's been the hardest deal that I've had to work with, the hardest standard, the most perfect. And all of that we're challenged with but at the same time, I know that God loves me that way. That God's love for me is patient, is kind. And because of the cross, he doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. This is the love of God that comes to us. And, and we're told that we should pass it on. And today's about experiencing it personally, but it's also about passing it on. This is the second message in a series that encourages us to be like Jesus. The standard for Christians is not just being okay. It's to be like Jesus. And we've been looking at each area of it. We introduced it last week. It's just like live like Jesus. This week is we should love like Jesus. So that's going to be our focus. Um, how God loves us and how we're to love others. Next week is forgive like Jesus. And serve like Jesus and obey like Jesus. Again, the verse is, is put up again for us. At the bottom, there's the definition of the word or the Greek word that is used for love in the Bible. There's several. There's like eight Greek words for love. This specific one, when we refer to God's love, is a love to gapel. And it is enthusiastic, sacrificial affection uh, or, or for another. This is be, this is supernatural love. It never varies. It never changes. It is consistent at all times and at all places. And, by the way, we're called to it. A new commandment, Jesus told his disciples, is that I've loved you. And remember, he'd walked with his disciples for three years at this point. They knew him. They slept with him, walked with him. They, they understood his love. They understood it to the point of even... As their lives went on, they chose to die for Jesus Christ, to, to lay their lives down. All but one died a, a martyr's death. Uh, love one another just as I have loved you. He says, if we do that, if I do that, and you do that, we do it in our, in our neighborhood, we do it at work, we do it in our marriages, our families, then others will see that and they'll be drawn to it. This is the practical nitty-gritty of showing Christ to the world. They don't care so much how many Bible verses we know. They don't much care, really, about the churches we go to, the doctrines that we hold are important, or any of that other stuff. They want to know if we really, truly love like Jesus did. Jesus is respected, really, even in our culture, that has turned away from many things of God. Jesus' rating, we looked at it last week, is still way up there. Christians, on the other hand, uh, rating is not up there. We, 
I always point out, because this has been a standard joke, because used to be one of the most respected people in our country were Christians. Now we're rated with lawyers. I rest my case. What has happened to us? And again, this is the test. This is what people are looking for. So each week we've been unpacking that so we can live like Jesus Christ, live like uh, he lived in this world. And, and the truth is love. When this world ends, when I die, when you die, the hope is that we will spend eternity in heaven and experience a love beyond anything that we can imagine. The only thing that's going to count is love. God's love for us, this environment of real love that we have the honor and the privilege of living into inside of our lives. Love. Uh, God's love. Love for other people that are there. The relationships that we have. Love. That's what heaven is. That's what it's called to be. So in this case, uh, as we talk about that, it's a, it's a personal self-examination period as we do this. Uh, in this series, we've actually picked two symbols uh, that will be throughout the series. First one, upper left, is the cross. Pure love was just saying about in a song that Lori did. Amazing grace, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Christ died for me. He died for each person here. You may scoff at God. You may reject Jesus. You may do all of those things, but he died for you. He died for me when I was a scoffer, a fool, uh, a willful uh, sinner. He died. The cross is always in view for a Christian because it's not a historical event. The, the sins that we commit today go to the cross it's a current, ongoing reality. Not only Christ dying for us, but we see as we go, we, we lay our lives down for him. That's love. Uh, the other one is the washbowl and the towel in the bottom right. The night Jesus was betrayed, he washed his disciples' stinky manure-covered feet. Even Judas, who betrayed him. We're servants. We're called to be servants. So those two uh, sit inside of the uh, series that we're going through today. Uh, first thing, God's love, it's holy, it's supernatural. It flows out of his nature. It is the only source of pure love. You can't generate it here on earth. You can't generate it inside of ourselves. Uh, God's love is not a result of being drawn to some beauty or something worthwhile inside of this world. His love comes at us. When we're most unworthy, he continues to love and to reach out. And this is what we're to show others, no matter how they treat us. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus' example and being like Jesus. Uh, we looked at it, we said, we gave a, a verse, which again is underpins my life, is that we're to do nothing for, with selfish ambition or empty conceit, but each person that follows Christ with humility of mind, is to have his attitude. Just as he laid his lives down for other people, even to the point of death on a cross, that's our calling. We're, we're here to serve other people. Uh, we're to, we're to we're experience the cross of Christ and then to pick up our washbowl and serve other people. Today, uh, we're going to look at the source of this love, the supernatural source of God's love. 
uh, how to receive it. <laughs> how can we experience that from God and to other people? And then probably the most challenging part, uh, really, is how to show that love in the mean streets of Ridgecrest with people that we live with, that drive on our roads, that are our neighbors, that have opinions opposite of ours, political parties, any of those things. How do we show love in that situation? Uh, that, that will be where we're going at the end, and there'll be a final exam. want to warn you up front, there will be a final exam today uh, as we get through today. But let's talk about his love. First off, his love is holy. It is totally trans. It's supernatural. It cannot be generated inside of ourselves. Our God is a holy God. And this is a word that I think is publicly avoided, almost scorned, holy, without fault, without blemish, without evil intent. It's holy. When we look at visions of heaven given to us in the Bible, uh, angels, people, humans are standing before the throne of God singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Overwhelmed by the perfection of heaven, overwhelmed by the perfection of God, the words that are appropriate are holy. And I think most Christians regularly experience that moment of in quiet solitude, maybe in a worship time, but mostly for me, it's always in a silent period of time when there's no one else up, there's no one moving, my dog is asleep, so I'm alone, uh, not crawling around demanding food. I open my Bible. I open my heart. And I have a conversation with God. I don't, I do that in Ridgecrest. I'm in my family room, granted, but I'm not there. I fix my eyes on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And, and, and in thought and in idea, and every Christ follower who abides in Christ has this regular experience where we can sing and express the concept of holy, holy, holy. If we're not pushing pause on our lives to do that. We're really missing experiencing God's love personally inside of our lives. So holy, holy, holy. Uh, God says to Moses, take your sandals off. This ground is holy. You know, this point when we come and we're praying, we're, we're, you know, we're not praying to Amazon. We're praying to God. We're standing on holy ground. With the holy God. He who calls us is holy. So we should be holy in all of our context, all of our conduct. Uh, no eye has seen, nor ear or heard the things that God has in store with us. The, the, the imagination can't keep up with what's in store for us in heaven. But I want to add to that. My experience has been limited and just touch it from time to time experiencing God's love in the body of Christ and experiencing love for people that I normally would have avoided before. Other people that would have been irritating to me. No one here falls into that category. Just saying. Well, no, okay. But that 
concept of, of loving uh, that's there. Uh, this is set apart. This is without blemish. This is without fault. This is the God that we love, that we know, that, that we follow inside of our lives. Now, where does that come from? We understand what it is now. We've got it. We've got a, even a definition for it. We, we can't say we don't know. We haven't been told. We've come to believe, know and believe uh, the love that God has for us. If we abide in him, and abide is a word that, that Christians throw around, and it's a way cool word, but it means to remain. The picture that Jesus used for abide was a, a grape branch intimately connected to the vine in such a way that the life of the vine would flow into the branch so that the branch can bear fruit. It's intimately, completely connected. So when we talk about abiding, that's what we're talking about in God's love. And, and also in the presence of God's love is a reality because when Christ comes in us and our sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. This isn't any spooky ghostbuster deal. This is a spiritual reality that takes place. God, who is holy, is spirit, and he is truth. His spirit, the third person in the Trinity, comes and lives in us. How do we know that? Because we have supernatural manifestations. There are times when, when we love the unlovable. We have joy in tribulation, knowing that God's with us. We have love, joy, peace in a world that doesn't have peace and in my opinion is never going to have peace until the Prince of Peace comes back. You know, we've got, we've got each of those things, love, joy, peace, patience is characteristics of love, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all part of those who have experienced God. And this again is the litmus test. And inside of it, I underline uh, one thing it does not insist on its own way. You know, one of the biggest obstacles to keeping people from coming to Christ is we want to do it our way. Uh, many people say, well, when I clean myself up, then I'll become a Christian. Uh, no, that's not the way it works. If, if you clean yourself up so you can be a Christian, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to spend all eternity telling me how great you are. That's not heaven. That's the other place. That sitting there bragging and boasting. No, love does not insist on its own. Why? Uh, because human love is selfish and prideful. We Christians fly against the, the big lie of our times. The, you know, I, if thing in your mind, I want to tell you what it is, because I have an opinion. Uh, everyone knows that. Uh, but the big lie of our time is that humans are basically good. We are messed up by our environment. The, everyone's a victim of circumstances and situations that are taking place. But that's the veil that Satan has put over the minds of this world, that we're really good people and I thought I was a good person. I thought I had an in ticket to heaven. I thought I was a Christian. 
I was so far from that truth and that reality. I wanted to do it. My, my eyes were blinded, just as the, ultimate, the overwhelming majority of the people in our country, 67% claim Christ, but yet it's a small percentage that understand that. Why? The heart is deceitful above all else and is desperately sick and wicked. I don't, that's not comfortable, but it's true. All of us have thoughts come into our mind. We're cut off in traffic, and it isn't, bless you, brother. <laughs> we, someone insults us. Something happens at work. Something goes wrong. Uh, some, even someone we love dearly says a phrase, a word, and we get our anger up. It just flows out of our heart. It is deceitful. Uh, it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, we'll talk in a minute. It's God. Because we start out separated from God because our sin separates us from a holy God. We're dead in our sins and our trespasses. And again, we're walking according to the spirit of this world, Satan, the one that owns us. All have sinned, all fall short. I always stop and ponder that for a minute, not ponder it. But when I was looking at Christianity, I had a problem with that verse once it was explained to me. It sounds good. All have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. Ah, it's so simple. I, I had no problem admitting that I sinned it, in the past. And, but the next phrase, when correctly translated, it is a continuous tense. All have sinned. All continue, 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 and continuously live in sin. If there's someone here today that has not sinned, don't raise your hand. Uh, please. Because I think we all do. We don't mean to, but we do. If we say we don't sin, we call God a liar. This reality that we can't generate inside of us a holy love is because we're not holy. That means if it's not in us, we really only have one choice. We have to import it. And you cannot get it from Amazon. You cannot order it up and have it on your porch the next day. Uh, the only way to experience God's love is to experience God himself. God himself in us. Not our decision, his decision. Not our ways, his ways. Uh, the verse, this verse particularly, is a life verse. It's I've been crucified with Christ. Um, 33 years old, I made a decision that I was whacked out. And my only hope was in Jesus Christ. I had to give up my will, my control, all of that I thought was mine. It wasn't a nice, easy, clean break, you know, break and I just lollygagged down the road. No. But it was this decision. I, I understood God was God and I wasn't. That was a real shock. I'm not God. You're not God. He is and he offers a relationship with him only on the basis that will take him on his terms. And that's not a makeover. That's not a remodel. That's a total tear down and rebuild of our lives. Take down what we have and treasure and, and come to live with him. What does it profit a man if you gain the whole world, lose your soul? But if we do that, if the spirit who lives in Christ lives in us, he'll raise us from the dead to a new life that Jesus lived. And it's a supernatural life. Do we become perfect? No. But we have resident in us a power and a knowledge 
that we can pass on to other people that we can experience also inside of our lives. He moves inside of us and shows us it's, it's our choice. It's if, if we admit we're sinners, if we admit we have no hope, if we admit that our God is holy and Christ died for us while we were sinners, if we do those things, then we can experience Christ living in us and through us. Love is possible to us. Now, this comes as a shock uh, to most of us. It came to me. I didn't understand what love was. Even as a Christian, I had no clue. I, I'm going to share an incident that, that, that happened in my life that was a transformation instruction on, on love. I had accepted Christ in Carlsbad, California, at a small church down there. Uh, God had captured my mind and my heart by giving me objective evidence for his existence and his reality. And over a period of time, I learned about the cross. I learned about Christ. And I said, I'm going to be a Christian. I give up. And my life changed. Uh, my external life changed really radically. Uh, within six months, I stopped drinking. Uh, third generation alcoholic, functional but alcoholic, uh, smoking, language, all of those things that a good Marine does to be a good Marine. And I changed. It wasn't overnight. It was over a period of time. Uh, but I started to change my thoughts, my words, my life. It changed. But my marriage didn't. It didn't change. My wife and I had been married at the time I became a Christian 12 years. And uh, it was a brutal marriage of two unsaved people in a power struggle to death. And we were going to win. Uh, both of us were losing badly. Uh, we had three wonderful kids. And that, a bunch of the glue that kept us together uh, as, as we went through these very tough years. Another thing that I, I say with a joke, but absolutely true. If your marriage is really bad and the Marine Corps sends you to Vietnam for a year, when you come back, you look pretty good to each other. She had someone to take the trash out. I had someone to talk. We look good. So that's, I went to Vietnam twice, two-year periods of time. I had just had come back when I became a Christian. So our marriage was on the rocks. And we were growing. But... But then on a day that I want to describe was my lesson in love. I had not applied anything that I had learned as a Christian to my marriage. I had just assumed that she would figure it out because I took her to church and she should just line up. And, and <laughs> that was her attitude also. <laughs> that was it. Uh, and, but this, this, my lesson came on a very hot day in Ridgecrest. We were going to the Navy Chapel out on the base. And uh, at that time, we lived at the end of Gateway. Now, this is the end of Gateway, or coming up on the right, and that's Kindle. But all of those houses that you see there, none of them were there. Uh, I got out of the Marine Corps. I was unemployed. 
We had bought 80 acres with some other people and we wanted to develop it. I was putting water lines in. Water lines were necessities because we hauled water, which is not a big deal if you've ever had to haul water. Uh, it's a big deal when your daughter gets out of the shower with her hair all full of soap and says, we're out of water. And so it's a big deal. We put water lines in. Uh, but time went by and I was there living. We had, we took a mobile home, bought one, put it up, and I was building an adobe house because no one else would build it. My first construction experiences was to do something said it was impossible by anyone else. That gives you a little insight into me. Uh, we were at the chapel. We attended. Uh, after church, I went looking for my wife. I had my three kids. Love my three kids. I got my three kids, and so we're looking for their mother. We drive all around the base. That's when we were allowed to mosey around. And so I was looking for her. I couldn't find her. So ultimately, we gave up. We didn't have cell phones, didn't have any of those luxuries. So I said, well, I'm going to go home. Someone else gave her a ride. No one did. She walked home in a 110-degree day from the chapel to the end of Gateway. The day was hot. She was hotter. And to this moment, I have not figured out what terrible sin that I had committed to bring that about. But it was the best thing that ever happened to our marriage. Because in coming into the house, we had a few words with each other. Uh, but it was obvious to me that it was the same old, same old, different day. So I said, well, I better go talk to God. So I grabbed my Bible. I went out and I put the X. You see that white X? Uh, all those houses weren't there. There was one mobile home. Uh, at that time, and it was very hot. That X marks a rock. I went out and tried to get some shade under this rock, myself and a couple of rattlesnakes, I guess. We were out there trying to... I had my Bible, and I started studying grounds for divorce. And you know what I learned? There aren't any. Not for a Christ follower. Uh, the verse that came to me that was powerful... Be careful then about your spirit and it see none of you deals treacherously with the wife of your youth. God says, I hate divorce. Oh, this is the only marriage I'm going to get. <laughs> get in there and go to work. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love her in that way. Love her the way you love yourself. Now, this is, this is the lesson, Ronnie. This is totally God beating me up because I learned that I was not patient. I was not kind. I did take into account a wrong suffered. I did keep records of all of that. That was me. And did it, was there a switch that flipped? No, no, not at all. But was there a standard that was set? Is it a standard that I've mastered? No. And by the way, no one here has either. The standard of God's love is something we'll always be striving for. I went back into the house. That was whatever that was. 47 years ago, 46 years ago. We've been married 58 years now. And we continue to learn to love each other. It is the greatest journey. Really, truly, that's it. 
So that's really the lesson for today. That's the practical application that takes place. God's standard for love is not unknown to us if we look. He lays it out in Jesus Christ. He lays it out with people all around us. He lays it out in his word. And so if you want to know where you stand, ask God. I, I encourage each follower of Christ to do just what these verses invite us to do. Well, it's not an invitation. It's a command. To ask God to search us. To see what's in us. Truth. Search me and know my heart. Because that's where life flows. Uh, put me to the test. Know my anxious thoughts. And I have anxious thoughts. Everyone does. If there's any hurtful way in me, show me. And if you pray that prayer, honestly and quiet with an open heart, and you come up empty, call me. In the directory is my cell phone. You call me and tell me that you came off clean. I want to know and meet you and hang out. I've never come away without God telling me. Because this deceitful heart is desperately sick. Listen to this. We had that verse earlier. Who can understand it? God says, I understand it. I, the Lord, I search the heart. I test the mind in order to give each person according to his ways. You see, he does answer our prayers. But you have to listen. You have to stop. And just to, just to note the self, if in this conversation about your relationship with someone else and you hear a voice pointing out their faults, showing where they fell short, you know, and oh, you want to hear that, and you just go, whoa, whoa. That is from Satan. God does not gossip. God won't point out to me my wife's faults. He will point out to me how to love her more in her faults, but he won't tell me what's going on. That's, that's the way he rolls. And we, we look at the, the, the test of his love. We look at the test of our life. Is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Well, That's the question that each one of us has to answer. And, but it's, a, it's an excellent test to have in mind. So this is what God does. Now, ask God to search our heart. Examine ourselves. I, we, we put these verses up very all the time. Because the biggest deception in our country that's going on by Satan and, and, and in Ridgecrest and in Crossroads and everywhere is the idea of are we a follower of Christ? Examine ourselves to see if we're of the faith. Now, this doesn't mean we're perfect. But this does mean we love God and we're striving for that. Uh, we do a test. Is Christ in us? As a church, uh, we put up a list. That's a website for it. Ten evidences. And by the way, those evidences are all based on love. Those, that's the criteria. Uh, where do we lay up our treasures today? You know, everyone thinks about money. And money's important. But not really. The real treasure in our culture today is time. Where do we invest our time and our energy? Those are our treasures. Are they in Christ? Are they in transforming ourselves? And is it in serving other people? Uh, we live in a church world here where I look out and I see followers of Christ pouring themselves out in so many adventures and, 
and opportunities to serve Christ. Anywhere from the mission team to the fall into fun to the pumpkin patch. Uh, all of these things that, that are ongoing continuously. Examine ourselves. Look at the 10 evidence. Uh, look at our relationship with others. You know, have you heard that it was said of old, you shouldn't murder? Uh, that's pretty clear, don't murder. But Jesus says, murdering, that's not it. Every time we have anger against someone, we're murdering him in our heart. You know, now take that statement and move it immediately to the political arena that we live in. Take it immediately to the political situation inside of our culture today. Look at these things. We have opportunities to have enemies. Are we loving them? And having an enemy is not a problem. A lot of people hate Christians. A lot of people hate Israel. Whatever the case is, you may look at. That's not the issue. How do we respond to them? If they got hate, they got hate. We're to have love. Uh, love them as you do that. If you remember that you've got hate, it says don't offer up your prayers or anything on the altar. Go make peace. Okay, how, do we, how do we show super, let's get to the application, showing supernatural love, loving God and loving others? First, forgive. Next week is going to be all about forgiveness. If we do not forgive, we've invited Satan into our relationship and into our lives. It's just that simple. Come next week, it'll all be there uh, in, in the area of loving and forgiving, forgiving our enemies, forgiving everyone that is there. In each one of those cases, forgiveness, whoever they are, uh, put them there. Overcome evil with good. You know, there is a, there can be, excuse me, I'm going to assume that you are mightier than I am. There is a power in being nice to a jerk. When you're getting read out by somebody, yes, yes. and if it's your wife, it's yes, dear. Uh, husband, yes, dear. It just Take the, take the beating, and that's a terrible way to say it, isn't it? But isn't that what it feels like? Take the wrong, take everything that's happening, and continue to love in that situation. Uh, it, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, because if we respond in kind, we're trying to overcome evil with evil, and the only one that wins is the devil. We have to overcome evil with good. We have to replace that inside of our lives. To be able to do that. What else? As far as application is concerned. Uh, recognize. That love leaks. I don't know if you knew that. Everyone. Many of us have had the opportunity. of. of I, I participate in a lot of weddings. And it's. And then six months later. They're in my room. And they're, all, they're asking questions. It is so. But love leaks. We forget. You know, this, this idea of love and, and perfection, and then we get married, and six months later, what happened to that person? Nothing. The question is, what happened to us? Because before, we didn't see any evil. We were blind to their faults. They were blind to ours, thank God, or they wouldn't have put up with us. No, this, this how, to, how to keep 
uh, your first love. This was an issue that came up in a church called Ephesus. Uh, because the people were there, they were living well with God. God writes them a particular letter uh, as he does that. I know this is God speaking to a church, but it's speaking to every Christ follower. It's speaking to everyone who's in a relationship. Because he says, I know your works, your toil, you're hanging in there, you're, you're trying to do your best, you're getting there with patient endurance, you see other people, you, know, you don't put up with that, but you've lost your first love. You know, the sad reality is if we don't do, I said earlier, spending time with God in his presence, sensing his holiness, his love, our love will grow cold if we forget Satan wants to do everything he can to blind us to the fact that my sins were personally nailed to the cross. You know, we should get up every morning and remind ourselves, I strive to do that, that I live by grace. God daily nails my sins. I face them, I see them, I'm so sorry. It, but they're nailed to the cross, they're taken away. They don't stand between myself and Jesus Christ. You know, it says, do the deeds you did at first. You know, are you alive as you were at the beginning? Are we? Are we as excited to open the Bible every day as we were then? Are we as willing to tell other people as we were then? Is our love fresh for Jesus Christ? Is that love there? This is, this is keeping it fresh. We're, we're told to do that. How do we do that? Good example of a Pharisee and a Sadducee. Uh, or Pharisee standing before God, and then this lowly tax gatherer. One says, I'm a righteous dude, or dudette, whatever the case may be here. But the other one's saying, I'm a sinner, and I need grace. Do we, do we approach Christ with that attitude inside of ourselves as we, as we stand before him each day? Do we keep our love fresh? Uh, do you remember the deeds we did at first? I was wacky. I always use this example because if you've ever seen an alcoholic nipping a bottle uh, out of a paper bag somewhere, used to be, don't do it much anymore. Now, now they smoke it or shoot it. But doing that, uh, I used to, you know, almost like I had a Bible in my brown paper bag. Every time I got a chance, I would slip it out, take a couple of nips and put it back in. The, the love of the word is, is it a reality inside of our lives. Those are the deeds we did at first. Are we... Are we thankful to Jesus Christ daily for what he does? Are we? You know, that's really the, the question. It really is the question. But each of these things, and uh, summing it up and going to the, the last thing, the final exam is not given by me. It was given at the beginning of the message. Is our love patient, kind, doesn't envy, not proud or boastful, doesn't dishonor others. Is that our love? Homework, please. Apply it to the relationships you're in, but apply it also to your relationship with Christ. Are we experiencing those things? Because if we are not experiencing those things, we cannot pass it on. If we can help in any part of that journey, please let us know. Join me in prayer. 
Search us, oh God. Search us. If there's any hurtful way in us, any violation of love, any drifting and, and weakening of our, our passion for you and for other people, thank you that you will show us lovingly that we might honor you with our love, with our service. We thank you that that's your call. That's what Christ did. And we have the honor of following him. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We have donuts that have to be eaten. Uh, so thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk about forgiveness.